If you have your Bible app or your Bibles, there are three Psalms we're going to be looking at this morning. Psalm 68, Psalm 103, and Psalm 116. I've put the text verses in your notes, and you can download those notes by going to the link that's in the comments or description section that will help you to follow along with us. As we continue our Keep Calm series, and this being Thanksgiving Sunday, we're going to talk about how to keep calm by giving thanks. Donna saw a meme yesterday, and she said, what's your sermon topic tomorrow? Because here's one for you, keep calm and gobble on. So, no, that's Thursday's sermon. So, uh, we're going to talk about how to keep calm by giving thanks. In Budapest, a man went to his rabbi and complained that life was unbearable. He says, there are nine of us living in one room. What can I do? I can't stand this. And the rabbi said, you've got a goat, right? He said, yes. He said, get the goat, move the goat into the room with you. And I said, you got to be crazy. You know, move the goat into the room with you and come back in a week. A week later, the man comes back just disheveled and, and just absolutely worn out and says, we can't stand it. That goat is a mess. It's chewing on everything. It's filthy. We can't stand it. The rabbi says, okay, go home. Let the goat back out in the yard. Come back in a week. A week later, the man comes back radiant, big smile on his face. And he says, life is beautiful. We love every minute of it. Now that there's no goat, just the nine of us. You know? so it's a lot about perspective, isn't it? About whether or not you give thanks. So maybe some of us need to go home and move in the goat so that we'll be thankful. You probably know the name Rudyard Kipling wrote prolifically, uh, made a good living writing. And one day a newspaper reporter came up to him and said, Mr. Kipling, I just read that somebody calculated that the money that you have made from your writings averages about $100 a word. And so he pulled out a $100 bill and he said, here's a $100 bill, Mr. Kipling. Give me one of your $100 words. Kipling took the $100 bill, looked at it, put it in his pocket, and said, thanks. <laughs> well, one of the ways to study the Bible is to take a topic or a word and trace it through a book or through the entire Bible. We sang a couple of songs about grace this morning. Uh, you could certainly spend a long time tracing grace through the scriptures. If you study Proverbs, you could trace wisdom or understanding or the fear of the Lord. It's just an interesting way, a different way maybe, to study the Bible. And if you want to do that, if you're interested in that, I suggest that you invest in what's called the Thompson Chain Reference Bible, because it does all the work for you. Uh, you. You read, if you start in Genesis, the first time that topic or word comes up, it's over to the side in the margin with a number and a reference. It takes you to the next time that word is used. And then that one takes you to the next time. Or if you just want to choose a topic, you can go to the back of the Bible where there's an index 
And it gives you all of the references where that word or that topic is used. So if you want to do a topical study, that I just suggest that to you. Well, one year at Thanksgiving, I, I was reading through the Psalms, and I found Psalm 68, verse 19, and that the King James says, Blessed be the Lord, who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. The NIV says, the God who daily bears our burdens. Well, over in the margin of the Thompson Chain reference, it took me to Psalm 103, verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then it took me to Psalm 116, verse 12. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? Or as the NIV says, how can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? Now, right there is a sermon outline courtesy of the Thompson Chain Reference Bible. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. Bless the Lord, don't forget his benefits. And what shall I give back to the Lord for all of his benefits? And those three verses are going to form the hooks on which we're going to hang our thoughts this Thanksgiving Sunday. And I do realize that this has been a rough three years. And I realize that for some people, maybe you're watching or listening on our podcast, um, Thanksgiving this year is going to be through clenched teeth or through tears um, because things aren't what you want them to be. But God is still worthy of our praise and our thanks. Let's look at these three verses. So turn to Psalm 68 and verse 19. God blesses us daily. The King James says he daily loads us with benefits. But the NIV and other translations say he, dare, he daily bears our burdens. It says, well, what's the difference here? And I, I kind of dug into it. And Psalm 68, 19 is one of those verses that you run across every once in a while in the Old Testament, where in the Hebrew language, there are very few words. And it just kind of like leaves an open thought. And so scholars then kind of dig into the context and everything and try to figure out, what was David or whoever under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit trying to tell us? And it seems that there are these two possible translations. One is he loads benefits onto us, and we know that that's true. And the other is that if people put burdens on us, he bears them for us. <laughs> and aren't you glad for that? But as I continued through Psalm 68, I discovered that David uses several of the Hebrew names for God through this psalm. And so I want us to just pick them out and look at them briefly and just limit our discussion of the benefits of God to who he is and what he reveals himself to us through his names. And we've discussed before how God reveals himself through his names. They don't always get translated into English other than maybe God or the Lord. But when you look at the Hebrew word, it's a specific name for God. And it started in verse 1 of Psalm 68. May God arise. That's the word Elohim. The name of God, Elohim, speaks of his power. It's the name of Genesis 1. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. He is the powerful God. Aren't you glad we don't serve a weak, 
anemic God. He is the powerful God. In verse 4, he uses the word Jehovah. In that phrase, his name is the Lord. His name is Jehovah. That is the name for the personal God. There are some people who will tell you that God was like the big watchmaker who created this watch and wound it up and then just threw it out into space and is waiting on it to wind down and he's disinterested. Not so. He is Jehovah, the personal God interested in us. And it's, it's really wonderful when God puts those two names together. Uh, we're going to see it in a minute in, in this psalm. But in Genesis, when God appears to Abraham, he said, I am the Lord, your God. I am the powerful God, your personal God. That's enough to thank God for right there, right? <laughs> that the powerful God is also my personal God. In verse 8, he calls him the, the one of Sinai, the God of Israel. Sinai is where God made his covenant with his people. So David is saying to us, God, you keep your promises. You're the God of Sinai. You're the God of Israel. It's what the Jews did when they prayed to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were saying, God, you keep your promises. You're the faithful God, and we are coming to you. And 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says that all the promises of God are yes to those who are in Christ. Aren't you glad God keeps his promises. In verse 14, it's the word Shaddai, which is almighty. It has with it the idea that God's power extends to every realm. He is the almighty God. And in verse 18 is where David puts together Jehovah and Elohim again, the personal God, the powerful God, O Lord God. If you don't do this in your praying, it might enrich your prayer life if you just started off with that. Because, you know, Jesus said, pray, hallowed be your name. And if you don't want to go through all the names of God, at least you can do Elohim and Jehovah. God, thank you that you are powerful. There's a bunch of stuff on my plate that I need your power to do. And God, I thank you that you're personal, that you're interested in me, that you care about me. You know the smallest details of my life. And then in verses 11 and 19 and 20, the Hebrew word is, is Adonai, which means Lord, Master. He's reminding us God is our Lord. God blesses us daily. Now, you take those names of God, and then you go from there and think about all of the blessings that you have from God every day. God blesses us daily. If you don't think so, let's go to Psalm 103, verse 2. Praise the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. That leads me to say, if we do some thinking, we'll do some thanking. If you'll just stop for a minute and do some thinking, you'll do some thanking. Now, some families have a tradition at Thanksgiving that before the meal, they go around the table and give something that they're thankful for. I, I never appreciated that tradition. Uh, I figured you could do it after you ate, 
as easily as you could do it before you ate and the food wouldn't get cold. So, but, but whatever, if you'll do some thinking, you'll do some thinking. We're good forgetters, aren't we? We're, we're pretty good at forgetting. Uh, and and we're, somebody said there's nothing that, we're, that humans are better doing than forgetting to give thanks when it's due, and especially giving thanks when it's due to God. When I was serving as a chaplain in long-term care facilities, a, a man whose wife was a resident with us said to myself, said to me one day, he said, Chaplain, you know, being around here, I've learned that if I can get up by myself and get dressed by myself, it's a good day. <laughs> it's that perspective. If we do some thinking, we'll do some thanking. The, the message paraphrases that, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, don't forget a single blessing. And through this psalm, just, we're just going to look at through verse 5, David gives us some pictures of the benefits or the blessings that God gives to us. In verse 3, he forgives all our sins. That's a picture of a criminal who's been acquitted. You could say that sin is a crime against God, and Jesus paid the price for us. He forgives all your sins. If that's the only thing God ever did for us, it'd be worth living for him and serving him and praising him all of our lives. He forgives all our sins. Uh, sometimes we sing the hymn, It is well with my soul. And there's a verse that says, My sin, oh, the joy of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Aren't you glad God doesn't say, well, I forgive you except for that one thing. No, he forgives all our sins. He heals all our diseases. That's the picture of a patient who's been cured. We don't have the time to go into everything that the Bible teaches about healing. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says not till you get to heaven. But all healing ultimately comes from God. And the word that's used in the scripture most often for healing is a plural word that implies it's not just physical healing. God wants us to be healthy mentally and emotionally and spiritually. He heals our diseases. If you've received an answer to prayer about a physical need, if you do some thinking, you'll do some thinking. Verse 4, he redeems our life from the pit. That's a picture of a slave that's been brought back. Colossians 1.13. He's rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he brought us to the kingdom of his son. We were a slave to sin, but Jesus redeemed us. He bought us and set us free. When I was um, growing up, probably elementary school age, we would go visit my aunt and uncle who had a farm. And in their backyard was a little stream of water. But it was, it was technically the, the west fork, if I remember correctly, of the Monongahela River. 
And so if there were storms and heavy rains, that little creek became you know, a, a rapidly flowing river. But when it was calm, we would go, that's where we would play. You know, we'd get out up to our knees and play in the water. And, and having that experience made this story uh, a little more real to me because I could see it happening. It's a story of a, of a boy who made a boat because he had a little creek in his backyard. And he would take that boat out there, you know, and the little ripples would carry it around and he'd poke at it with a stick and see where he could get it to go. But one day the current was faster than he anticipated and the boat got away from him and he couldn't get it back. That weekend he was in town with his parents and he saw his boat in the window of a local store for sale. And he went to the owner, he said, that's my boat. And the man said, I, I'm sorry, son, it might be your boat, but somebody else brought it in and I bought it and, and it's for sale. If you want to buy it, you can have it. Boy didn't have any money. So as soon as he got home, you know, he went to his folks and said, what can I do to earn money? You know, they got more work out of him that week than they had in a long time. I want to get some money so I can go buy my boat. He got enough money together and the next weekend went back to the merchant and he bought the boat. And as he's leaving the store with that boat in his arms, he said, now you're twice mine. I made you, and now I've bought you. That's God's claim on us. He made us our creator. He bought us through the cross. He redeems our life from the pit. And verse 4 says he crowns you with love and compassion. Those are great words. <laughs> and, and they're words of warmth and affection. God crowns us with love and compassion. Sometimes don't you just need to feel bathed in God's love and his compassion. Um, Donna has a weighted blanket that she likes. Uh, too heavy for me to carry around anywhere, but she likes getting under that weighted blanket. There's something about it, and, and I heard her yesterday talking to somebody else, oh yes, I love my weighted blanket. There's something about that feeling, I guess, of being having that blanket around you. Picture that being God's love and his compassion, that he's just wrapped us up in his love and compassion. Where would we be if it weren't for God's love? and God's compassion. If you do some thinking, you'll do some thanking. And then in verse 5, he satisfies our desires with good things. The picture there is of a guest at a feast who's being amply fed and whose desires are all satisfied. We need to understand that only Jesus satisfies our desires. I think it was St. Augustine who said, "God, in essence, God created us with a God-shaped hole in our soul. And only as we find our peace in God will we ever be content. He satisfies our desires. If you do some thinking, you'll do some thanking. Then go to Psalm 116, verse 12. In light of all of this, 
what shall I give to God? How can I repay him for all his benefits? In other words, show your gratitude. And he tells us how to do it. It's kind of an interesting list that he gives us here. How can I repay to the Lord all his goodness to you? First, I will lift up the cup of salvation. That's his gift to us. And, and you dig into this because, you know, we don't think about cup of salvation. And I, I found out that it's actually plural, salvations. And as you dig into it, most scholars think that what he's talking about there, because in other places, a man's cup signifies his life. You know, the events of his life, the abilities that he has, the things that he goes through. And, and they say that what David is saying there is, here is how you show your gratitude to God. You accept what he gives you. You accept his gifts. And whatever it is, you show your gratitude to God by living all of your life in honor of him. It's 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. We used to sing a chorus that said, I will love you all my life. And that did not just mean all the duration of my life. It meant every part of my life. I will lift up the cup. I will receive from you, God, whatever you give me. And that attitude of receiving it from God and living it out to bring glory to him is how we show our gratitude. And then in verse 13, he says, I will call on the name of the Lord. As I was going back over this last night, that just hit me again. What we would say in our humanness is, what can I show to the Lord for all of his benefits for me? I won't bother him. <laughs> you know, I'll leave him alone. David says just the opposite. What will I give to the Lord for all of his benefits? I will call on the name of the Lord. I'll let him help me. It's as if, as if David is saying, in light of the fact that God has done all of these things for you, in light of all of his benefits, ask him. <laughs> Keep coming back to him. Uh, in Psalm 50, there's a, a passage where he says, I want you to call on me when you're in trouble, because then I'll deliver you, and you'll praise me. And that glorifies me. So we need to get out of this mindset. Maybe you don't have it. I have it sometimes. Get out of this mindset of, well, God, you've done so much for me. I don't want to bother you about this. No. It's God, you've done so much for me that I know you want me to come to you with this. I will call on the name of the Lord. He never gets tired of us coming to him. And then in verse 14, he said, I'll fulfill my vows. I'll keep my promises. <laughs> Maybe, you know, if you're going to make a New Year's resolution at the end of next month, instead of making a new New Year's resolution, maybe you should keep the ones you've already made, right? Instead of making a new promise to God, keep the promises you've already made to him. I will fulfill my vows. I'll keep my promises in the presence of all of his people. And then in verse 17, he says, I will sacrifice a thank offering to you. I will offer, in the words of Hebrews 13, the sacrifice 
of praise. And we've talked about this before. The sacrifice of praise is when you praise God when you don't feel like it. It's when you praise God when it's tough. It's the praise the Lord anyway. God, it's not going the way I want it to right now. There's been a whole lot of reverses. I don't know what's going on, but you're still God, and I praise you regardless. I praise you, period. I will offer you the sacrifice of praise. And then he says again, and call on the name of the Lord. So it's like, when things are going well, keep calling on the name of the Lord. When things aren't going the way you would want them to, keep calling on the name of the Lord. That's how we show our gratitude to him. You know, God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And, and this, this goes so contrary to our human nature. But in God's economy, he says, I'm God. I love you. I'm blessing you. Keep asking. Keep coming. Keep praying. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. As you accept my gifts to you, call on my name. As your thanksgiving is a sacrifice, keep calling on my name. And then he repeats again, I will fulfill my vows. I'm going to keep my promises to you. Keep calm by giving thanks. If you're looking for somebody to follow on social media, I suggest you follow John Gordon. His first name is spelled J-O-N. John Gordon, um, I don't know too much about him except what I've learned uh, following him online. I'm, he gives testimony uh, of his faith in Christ, and he does a lot about um, thoughts, keeping your thoughts on God and focusing on the positive and focusing on gratitude, but it's it's not a shallow thing. It's 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 kind of deep. It's a good follow. Every Sunday he puts on Sunday, my posts are a bit different, and then he'll give a testimony. Um, but he he says this: when you are grateful for the things in your life, big and small, you always seem to find more things. To be grateful about and isn't that true the more you complain the more you find to complain about <laughs> and the more you're grateful the more you find to be grateful for and and he in one of his posts i think he's called it be a gratitude magnet you know learn how to attract gratitude by being grateful he gives five suggestions they're not in your notes you can find it if you just google john gordon gratitude um but he says Every day you should write in a gratitude journal, so whether it's you know a notes app on your phone or wherever it is. He said you ought to keep a journal, and he suggests you know every day five things. This is what I'm grateful for today. Um, maybe you have some days where you can't come up with five, uh, but you know just remember the man who said if I can get up by myself and dress myself, it's okay. Um, what am I grateful for today? And then he talks about a thank you walk. He said, I find, and he said, you can do it on a treadmill. If you have a treadmill, you can do it walking around your office. You can do it walking out in your neighborhood. But he said, just take a few-minute walk. And while you're walking, and he does it verbally, 
which you can get by with now because everybody thinks you're just talking on the phone. <laughs> but, but he said, just verbally express what you're thankful for. And he says, during however long that walk is, just let it be a thank you walk, a gratitude walk. And then he says, make sure that you get into the habit of expressing appreciation to other people. We've talked about that before, about when you say thank you to somebody, make it specific. I appreciate this about you. Thank you for this. And then he says, look for opportunities to be kind to other people. Because as you do that, you will develop a spirit of gratitude. And then he says at bedtime, spend the last you know, few moments of your awake time reflecting on the blessings of the day and the things you're grateful for. He calls it thank you and good night. <laughs> you know? He said just focus. Because I think it's true that what you think about when you're going to sleep tends to be what you're thinking about when you wake up. So he says, focus on gratitude as you end your day. There's a whole lot in our world and in our lives to gripe about. We don't need any help with that. What we need help with is learning to give thanks. Who, to our God who daily loads us down with benefits. So this week, do some thinking, and then you'll do some thanking. And, and, and pull out this outline and say, okay, okay, God, what can I do to show you that I'm grateful? Keep your promises to him. Call on his name. Offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Keep calm by focusing on the blessings. Keep calm by giving thanks to God. Father, there is so much for which to be thankful. We used to sing that old song, Count Your Many Blessings. Take us a long time to count our blessings. Because so often we skip over what we consider the mundane things. We skip over uh, the ability to see, the ability to hear, the ability to speak, the ability to think coherently. We look over the fact that we have a, a house to go to, and, and it's probably climate controlled, and, and we have automobiles, and we just have the ability to do so many things. We just take it for granted. But we know that it's in you that we live and move and have our being. And so we just pause to say thank you for who you are, and thank you for all of the benefits that you daily load onto us. May we become grateful people in a world filled with complaining and anger and strife and contention. May the light of Jesus shine through your people as we focus on being grateful that we know God and he loves us. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you and give you his peace now and evermore. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in today. Thanks for being here.